everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of Women of the Wills presents Mando Mythos. We are back for our second episode of this little mini segment in which we are discussing the third and fourth episodes of The Mandalorian. Nettie and I are here. It's a beautiful, I guess it's not morning for you, but it is early on a Monday and we're going to tackle this the best we can. We're trying to fit this into our busy schedules. So we're going to power through episode three and then try not to spend five years talking about episode four because we all know we could probably talk about it for seven years straight. But yeah, welcome. How are you, Nettie? We're both kind of tired, so bear with us as we kind of sound like old men for a minute, but (laughs) after that, we'll get fired up. Let's just say it's finals time for me right now, and I'm really feeling it. I'm sitting here with my big mug of coffee, and just ready to talk about Star Wars because it calms me down, and it it makes me happy. It's my, this is my happy place. So. Why do you make, why do you podcast? Because it's fun. Gosh. Because it's fun. Once we finally are able to sit down and do it, it's really fun. That's the hard part, sitting down and actually getting to do it. Trust I'm a little me. saucy this morning because I'm podcasting with Nettie when I could be 20 miles south in the park watching the live Q&A at Galaxy's Edge that I didn't know about. Um, yeah. I don't work until tonight, so it's fine. I'm not going to be in the park way after they are, but even if I was working, I wouldn't be anywhere close to the cast. But yeah, we it's like fine. literally I, just I could, be the same, could be in the same place as the entire cast, but it's fine. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, I'm like a few, like a thousand something miles away, so anyway, <laughs> it's fine. So we we're going to try to do this weekly, but it's going to probably be a biweekly thing, um, just because in the state for the interest of scheduling. It's hard to make it work. School is almost over for me. So we'll school's see almost happens. over. We'll see what happens well, yeah. in January. But yeah. Well, this won't be around in January. Or December. December yeah. is the next month. December is like, <laughs> We'll see. We'll talk. It is but December 2nd. Um, is. But then, of course, we also have something. It's I think, Star Wars is, month. Is there, is there something else happening this month? I think there may be. <laughs> um, uh, it's a little indie film that's coming oh, out. Right. It's one of the. <laughs> I'm gonna watch my mouth. That was so saying that I can't stand it. Oh, this indie film is coming out this month. It's Star Wars, guys. It's Star Wars, and so, it's coming out this month. We are very excited. We are very so excited. we, yeah, it's gonna be a lot of a lot of us screaming about things this month. Um, we are gonna try to get the whole gang back together um, to talk Rise of Skywalker before it comes out. Um, and after the film, of course, we're all going to attempt to do our initial reactions, record them individually and post. Um, we're going to release two episodes after the yeah. movie comes out. One that's just us screaming and one like, that's actual coherent thought. Coherent thought, conversation, <laughs> and then screaming at ourselves. So it's like, yeah. you know, it'll be fun. It'll be Best of both worlds. Definitely best of both worlds. And aside from that, I think we are ready to go ahead and start discussing episode three of The Mandalorian. Woo! <laughs> Which was, it was the first episode that felt decidedly different than the previous two. Granted, with only three episodes, you can't really judge them like that, but mm-hmm. it was a weird episode and like not much happened. And it, the previous episode was kind of like that as well in that, you know, if you actually look at what happened, it wasn't much, but right. story like building wise, a lot did happen. And I felt like the second episode was more 
linear. Like they went from point A to point B and accomplished something. Whereas um, throughout the throughout the third episode, we didn't necessarily know his motives at every point in time. It was very much a kind of a mystery type of like what's going to happen next thing. And um, that was, and especially because it was all nighttime and dark and he was kidnapping back his baby and like, (laughs) (laughs) it was a little different, but it was a, it was also different in that it tackled the Mandalorian culture more than we had seen yet. Um, We got to see a lot of that and we got to see the armorer again. Yeah. I absolutely love and I'm absolutely fascinated by every single scene, like both scenes that we've gotten from her. It's just, it's pretty amazing. Well, and I'm probably going to mention this a few times. I just watched the first three episodes of Rebels again because hashtag Mm -hmm. Disney Plus. Um, It's interesting, the post-war Mandalorian culture and the, you know, the two decades earlier up to rebels Mandalorian culture and how different they are right Uh, because this is like the it shows you though how much war and strife Mm -hmm. is really changing this whole nation and you know it makes you think like maybe think of almost a a religion Mm -hmm. who's become more devout just by necessity of their environment and like going and hiding all that so right it was it was a weird episode um i like that he was all like nah my baby and he got him back yeah like yeah i know you you know he would he was gonna come back for for the kid um because you know it's like leading up to that point where again we're just gonna jump around and talk about key points in the uh, in these episodes um but this was like a huge major uh point where he started mentioning the child as like the way he would talk about it or in relation to it, it, it definitely changed. You could see a change from the last episode to this one, um, especially where he's taking the kid to the client and the stormtrooper grabs the, the crib and he's like, careful with that. And Stormtrooper's like, you be careful. But <laughs> he, <laughs> you be careful. and. You can tell that there's like this again acting because you can see with the body language of the actor, it's definitely protective over this child that they just found, and you know, for reasons that connect back with his own childhood. Because I feel, and it's definitely intentional, that he sees himself as very similar to the child, uh, despite by war alone, orphaned, uh, helpless, which is, from what we can gather, he was taken in by the Mandalorians, and his situation was very similar. So he's literally repaying back almost what was done for him in kind to this baby. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Well, and, you know, and I wanted to, someone, someone on Twitter mentioned that um, we need to remember that this is not a Western. This is a samurai story. Um, the The Mandalorian has kind of, he looks one way. You know, he's got his new armor. He's 
you know, like the kid who shows up with the new backpack at school and is totally going to get beaten up, but, mm-hmm. you know, he does it anyways. But he, no matter everything he does from the beginning of the epi- of episode three onward is just all about compassion. And, right. like, he's he's the tough guy, but no, he's not. Like Right. And, like, back to that whole Western versus Samurai thing, it's, like, of course, Western, because there's, like, this big, huge debate on about it online right now. I'm just going to say my piece on it. Everything pulls from everything. We're all influenced. Right. Western was obviously influenced by a bunch of other stuff. Samurai, tales, folklore included in that probably. So it's not all just one thing. Right. But we as Americans recognize this as Western. We need to also, yes, we reckon that's what we are familiar with and we recognize what we need to remember that it's also other things. So anyways, the, like he, everything he does just is so completely against how he looks and how he pretends to be. And you know when he's asking, um, what's his face, the guild dude, like, oh, Griff Carter, what are they gonna do with it? And yeah, he's like, why are you asking me this question? No, no. First he goes with what he makes him specify, and he's like, the kid. What are they gonna do with the kid? Again, you have him recognizing that it's not, it's not an it. It's, it's a, a child. It's a, yeah, it's a you child. know, it's, it's again, that's a, another change, big change from the last episode to this one. I also like how collectively we have all switched from calling it Baby Yoda to the child. The child. Um, thank you. It's <laughs> thank not you. Baby Yoda. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he stages this whole rescue mission mm-hmm. and he does it alone, which is reckless and stupid, but that just, you know, under. Well, I, I feel like the, that has to do with the situation at hand because well, and no one. That's just how much yeah. he cares. Like right, he's gonna yeah, do yeah. it regardless. He doesn't. He's yeah. not going to try to formulate a plan or ask for like help or from anyone. He's just going to get this, this child back. He needs to get done now. So he does it. Yeah. Um, and we we get a glimpse of the Mandalorians um, when the other guy picks on him. Oh yes, can I talk about this real quick? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so he goes back to the armorer after he gets his payment of Beskar from the client, and they have this discussion of, you know, well, what is this Beskar going to be used for? She tells him, or he tells her, you know, that his his whole armor has just been, has been compromised from the from the battle and this mission that he had, and. She says, okay, so a new set of armor then would be, you know, in place. Like, we'll do that. And this is just so full of symbolism here. Because if you know anything about Mandalorians, you know that they are literally one with their armor. They are their armor. The armor is literally them. It is a part of them. It is very, very, very important to the culture. The fact that his armor was completely destroyed, his old armor, during this mission where he picks up this child, and is completely reforged by this woman who every time he goes down there and she starts up the forge again, it's like the magical forges that you read about, you know, mythology where like the magical weapons and things like that are are forged by these deities who were just able to, you know, just have to possess these like powers and such to create this stuff. It's almost as if, again, we talk about Athena when we think about the armorer. Um, But also Hephaestus. Yes, as well. And, it's extremely important because it's almost as if he himself is being reforged every time he goes 
down there into in indices down there. It's so cool if you think about it that way because it's li- that's that's I feel like that's intentional because oh, again we talk about Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni and Mandalorians, and he's the one who built up this lore and about you know the armor. They are their armor. It's so important to them, and this again com- becomes very important in the next episode. Um, but how he retreats back into himself, into his own past every time is extremely telling and extremely important that he, it's like reconcile, he's almost reconciling and revisiting the past. And every time he, when he comes out, it's, he's moved, he's moving on, you know, because after that, also, he makes a decision to go back to the right. channel. Um, speaking of like the going down into um that the forge um i i like that they've created the setting this this underground like coven of mandalorians um independent of any geography or like because i mean mandalore itself was not exactly mandalore is pretty barren because it was a is it was a battlefield Right, and I like that there isn't any tie into the the geographical aspects of the culture. It's just about the armor. All of it's just about the armor and the armor and the people staying hidden. So, right. Um, well, and then so after he gets his new armor, um, I don't know anyone's names. Nettie is the name person. <laughs> the the big the big heavy bad guys infantry. come over. <laughs> He's uh, labeled as heavy infantry. Gotcha. So the big dude that. comes over and is all like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, he gets up in his face and like, questions him. And I, at first I was like, whoa, what are you doing? But I'm just like, okay, I appreciate you. Because I feel like that guy right there, he called him out. Because right. you're working with these people who have displaced our, our your family, you, it is everybody, all of us. We live underground because of these people. We, it's like, he calls them out on that. And it, it, you, I didn't even think about it until he said it. I'm just like, that's right. He's, he's working with these guys, you know, who are responsible for all of this. And I don't, again, I wonder if, you know, is that that was the mo- his moment of realization, just like it was the audience's. And it was like, okay. That's that's weird that he's working with these people. Like, how are how are you okay with that? He he tells him and calls him out on it, and that's extremely important because again, again, this is in the forge as well where this is all happening, and when he leaves and makes the decision and retrieves a baby, the Mandalorians they come to help him, you know, because him and the baby are cornered, no way out. And they come to, to help him out. And it, you realize there in that like part, I thought that was pretty cool because it's no matter, it's like their, their family, they might have their, their clan, they have their, their squabbles, their differences, you know, and they might not agree with everything, but at the end of the day, he went back and he did what was right. And his family was behind him 100%. Yeah. I mean, and he got rewarded for that Mm -hmm. in that loyalty and, can we skip to the end? I mean, that shot yeah. of uh-huh. them all with their freaking rocket packs, like, oh, 
you know, here's here's the Mandalorian who's so like focused and single-mindedly, you know, doing the only thing he needs to do, which is protect this child, and mm-hmm. then like, I like you know, right. out of the flames, the Mandalorians appear in they the rise. They rise from every corner and like mess these people up. It was so good. I was cheering. I was so and again, happy. another like we haven't seen Mandalorians together since mm-hmm. Rebels, which isn't that long of a but right. if you think about the, the desolation between then and now like it's a pretty cool sight to see that still a thing with their yeah. with their jetpacks and their armor and together. Yeah. And again, you see that kind of tension and like strife within the clans and uh, rebels, you know, with whole uh, Bo-Katan and Sabine and all that. Mm-hmm. There's like this kind of conflict, but at the end, you know, the Mandalorians at the end of the day. Right. And that's what binds them all together. And that's so cool. <laughs> they they I, I I like that we we saw that in this show. Very awesome. Um oh okay. So um are we done with this episode? I mean about? he gets back the child. Yeah. He bickers with his brothers. They all show up and help him mm-hmm. and he escapes with this is a baby. Is that well, it? Well an important note is that the little ball thing that the baby was trying to get at the beginning of the episode, Mandalorian unscrews it and gives it to him. Like, fine, have He's a like, toy. I have it now. Thank you, Leave father. me alone. <laughs> Thank you, father. <laughs> he just takes it with his three-fingered little hand and just is content and happy, and they just go off into space. Yep. Very cool. And, and then we go on. And then we go on. And um, I love how, like, so as going forward, he the he like narrates what they're doing to the child. Like, <laughs> yes, that's for the audience sake, but you know he'd be doing it regardless of who whether we were listening. Like, oh, I guess we'll go here. They won't find us there. Right. And he's like, Oh, my favorite part, you need to get out and stretch your legs a little, don't you, you little womp rat? And it's like I know, oh, I wanna my guy. <laughs> I was like, my immediate thought was, who can I now call Womp Rat on a daily basis? And then I looked at my kitten and I was like, mm, hello, Womp Rat. And he looked at me and I was all like, you're a little Womp Rat. That's funny because I called my dog that right after this episode. Yep. Yep. <laughs> there was nothing more fun than shooting Womp Rats in Lego Star Wars oh. because they just run around in circles, which is what my cat does. So. Yep. 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 Anyways. Star Wars is amazing. Anyway. I'm fostering a kitten. It's fine. I will talk about him at least twice more. Um, <laughs> He's adorable. But yeah, so here we go. We're on a now. We're on a hideout and we're on a big safe journey. But yeah. this is oh, where. Hang on, because we skip. This isn't how the episode opens because it it opens actually with the village. Oh, correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And it was really pretty, really pretty shot of underwater. Um, with really, the shrimpies. With the little blue shrimp. They're krill. They're, blue krill do not exist as far as I know um, in our world. They're like usually like orange or whatnot. And it's like, of course, it's Star Wars. They had to make them blue. They had to make them a different Well, color. and then you <laughs> notice that like all of their... Um, They're so cute. All of their... Uh, wardrobe and apparel all is tinted blue 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I which thought was that was really cool. cool. Very cohesive. It's like it's all green, blues, and browns in there. It was really pretty. And there's like all of a sudden this basket just comes in, and then they lift the basket up, and there's like this blue krill. It's so pretty and vibrant. And you see this whole village, and it is a rural farm community, which I have never seen in Star Wars because the only farmers that we've ever seen, like, you know, like, I, we've seen a few things like that in Clone Wars. Um, but besides that, the only other thing we've seen is the moisture farmers on Tatooine. And that's still very high tech. The only tech that I can see that these guys have is that droid that's walking around with them. And like right? a or two. Yeah. And I think that was so cool because the droid just fits right in. He's just like right there as like all these people in these rural clothes, like, you know, everything handmade everything is handmade then you just have this droid walking by and it just it just fits right in it was so cool i I really enjoyed that um i mean it it not only does it just show that the you know it's not all about technology but just you know hammers in how big the galaxy is like we still here's a new planet a new place with a new culture like as we will be able to see a million times more but it's not all Coruscant and Chandra. It's a. Uh, there are still those, you know, and we're assuming this is outer rim, but um, yeah, it's a big like. It's a big galaxy. Um. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, this is important. <laughs> my friend just sent me a picture that she drew of Baby Yoda, inside of a Christmas present box. <gasps> Lady in the Tramp style. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will ask her if it's okay to post it online and share it. So that's amazing. Awesome. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. So we see a woman protecting her child from a, from a race of unprovoked, like an unprovoked attack. (laughs) That is, they do look like pugs. Um, An unprovoked vicious attack. Um, that's just is just being it's just being ransacked and pillaged right. like as has when the powerful have the ability to prey on the weak they do right so, and we see something very similar to this in uh, clone wars where there's like a village of farmers being pillaged by hondo and his band of merry pirates and it's again very similar because um the jedi teach the villagers how to fight back and it's similar to what we see in here. So definitely see Dave Filoni's hand in this. <laughs> and uh, an interesting note, I have seen this episode three times already. And you don't, I did not see anybody, they, they didn't go after any people. Right. They were just after the food and supplies. Because um, they need the people yeah. alive so they can do it again. <laughs> I was just like, is this bug's life? yes but anyway um so yeah there's this little girl who just starts screaming for her mother and a woman comes and runs out her name is omera um raise your hand if you immediately fell in love with omera Uh, (laughs) i i i I, anyway um this whole episode is just it was made for me (laughs) and the she goes and she her daughter they both jump into the lake 
and hide under the bank underneath a, a basket and wait for the ransacker pillagers to uh, leave their village. And they end up being safe. They end up being okay. And that's when the the title card comes in, uh, Sanctuary. And I'm just like, okay, so I assume that they're going to go to this planet, but this doesn't seem like much of a sanctuary. No. Nope. So that's where I started putting the pieces together. That is this going to be like the one in Clone Wars? They're going to teach them how to fight back. There's going to be a make a man out of you number in there somewhere. We know. Already at this point, I was like, yes. Um, we also can't forget to mention that this is the episode directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Yes. Um, and the previous episode, again, Nettie's the name girl. Um, oh, yes. Um, Deborah Chow. So we had in a Woman of Color direct episode three. We had Bryce Dallas Howard direct episode four first women to direct anything star wars ever ever um and these have been the most bomb episodes so it it's i mean you can tell this was directed by a woman also there is deborah chow is gonna be directing the kenobi series don't forget correct that's exciting (laughs) yeah i um i look i look forward to it but yeah i mean it's obvious that i mean i guess it was obvious to me but i was like oh yes look at powerful woman being powerful and protective and yes the whole episode we meet two powerful women and i was like thank you yeah and they're both presented in very different ways but they're on a level playing field which i think is cool it's not just like that one is like um you know diminutive and she right. can't take care of herself or anything and the like woman the, i mean the woman who would be potentially portrayed as the weaker mm-hmm. um the mother, mother type yeah. is the one who literally kicks the most butt. So, yeah. um, I'm in love with Omera. It's fine. It's fine. I'm also oh, Cara Dune. Hey. Cara Dune. Uh, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> they land on the planet, <laughs> and they the Mandalorian and, and and the baby. And after much uh, telling the baby to stay put where he is, the baby's like, no. I'm coming with you wherever you're going. And waddles behind him, little teeny thing next to his huge papa, just walking through the woods. And it's so cute. And they walk into this, uh, I, I, it's like a, it's not a bar, but I guess it is. I don't know. It, it looks like the weird diner kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's, it's a watering hole of some it's sort. Cracker Barrel. Well, <laughs> It looks like Cracker Barrel. Or is it Waffle House? I don't know. Um, well, they don't serve alcohol at either of those places. I don't know. So, or do they? Anyway, um, they walk through the restaurant, and the baby is toddling around, and you can kind of see some stuff from the baby's perspective, like looking up and looking at all <gasps> the... The loaf cat! And then he tries to pet the kitty. <laughs> and the kids are like, nope. It's a loaf cat. It's a live action loaf cat. We have never seen that before. We've only seen them in the animated And series. I really must say, it looks exactly like the, the animatronic in Galaxy's Edge. I was yeah. all like, of course it does. That was my first thought. That was my first thought. I was like, oh my gosh. And I, I still have yet to go to Galaxy's Edge, but I'm just not going to leave that cat's side once I find it. Um, and he, the kitty does not want to be petted by the baby, but it's okay. Um, but the baby's face was just like, he was sad. He looked like, for like a fraction of a second, his ears. I like how they're using his ears 
I don't know if you guys have caught on to this yet, but they're kind of using them in the way that like dogs and horses and cats yeah. use their ears to portray emotion. Because I don't really, Yoda kind of did that with some things. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but it wasn't as emotive right, as, he as was this one. Older. He was old, so maybe he couldn't move his ears. Hey, my dog can't move his ears, so. You know, and he's old. <laughs> so, um, no, Yoda definitely, because, like, imagine, remember, uh, visualize when he um, feels Anakin's betrayal. Like, he yeah. goes, Ooh. they go down. Yeah. yeah. But Anyways, like, not as much, because like, yeah. I don't feel like it's as much. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But he's old, so we'll use that as an excuse. And the Mandalorian spots this shady character sitting sipping some what i presume is what i don't know if i don't know if i would call her shady (laughs) because she is very much like on the table like okay maybe very much known okay a questionable character questionable (laughs) is kind of the same thing as questionable but she's not like hiding at all that's true that's true anyway they sit down and Mandalorian orders, and I quote, bone broth for the little one. <laughs> it's like, for the little one. Okay. And the waitress was, the waitress was fun. I liked her. Um, and she was like, well, you know, what about yourself? And the Mandalorian's like, I don't want anything. And I'm just like, oh, because mask. You know, can't eat anything with the mask on, can you? <sighs> what do you mean? What does this guy do? Does he, he starves himself all day? Does he like take a break and like, hide in a closet and eat or what does he do i don't (laughs) i don't know i don't know but anyway they he turns and looks and cara dune is not where she was sitting just a second ago and he's like okay gets up tosses a coin to the lady and is just like watch him please and she's like yes sir and he walks out, he's tracking her with, like, infrared little tracker thing or whatever. And she just, oh, she just, she just trashes him. I mean, <laughs> it was amazing. I was, I was just sitting there, like. We don't get to see very much <laughs> male-female one-on-one combat. Much less females throwing people around. Correct. That was amazing. Like, okay. And plus people in full Mandalorian armor. (laughs) For real. Let's not forget also that the actress that plays her, um, MMA fighter. Yeah. For Mexico. So pretty cool. Mexican American. I finally get to see myself represented by a woman on TV, which is pretty cool. Cause it's like up to this point, all the Latin actors have been male. She's she's super hot. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, that. She can throw me any day. <laughs> Correct. All this, all this baby barrel and like stuff. Like, wait, where's my uh, carrot? Please throw me stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, she can throw me any day, and she See. throws the Mandalorian around quite a few times. It's a great fight. And it ends up being a draw, literally, because they both draw their blasters, aiming them at each other's heads while they're on the floor. And there's, like, this pause, and they both look to the side, and so a new meme is born as 
baby Yoda, not baby Yoda, I'm sorry, the child, (laughs) I'm sorry, is standing there sipping his bone broth, watching them, just like, hey. Hi, Dad. This has been all over the internet. Correct. (laughs) Like, every episode, another meme. It's great. It's wonderful. He has has become the greatest impact of the decade. Like... And just like he's just he's just like is ninety percent like robes Sack. and has little stupid little ears and then his new new cup of broth. He's like I ship. <laughs> you can slurp his... too. And I'm just like oh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and they go back into the the restaurant and they're they're talking uh, for a bit and here we get to learn a little bit about Cara Dune. Uh, Megan, you want to talk about that? um yeah so she's kind of like the bad guy in town like Mm -hmm. she's the guild member who currently you know polices these waters um kind of like the sheriff but like yeah opposite kind of but she's there but not really i'm getting that feeling because like yeah yeah because later on we see her sleeping by a tree so right but um more like she is the power in town at the moment. Right. And um, he refers to her as such. Um, I was personally a little confused when I watched it the first time because um, I mean, I've only seen it once, so I'm not netty. Um, but I was confused because he was implying that she was, or she was implying that she was ex-resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's obviously seen some crap. Like, she has survived, and like like the Mandalorian, she has become a bounty hunter to survive. Um, because with her skill set, that is all she can do. And, but we we immediately see that she has a past, and that the past she's trying to run away from, like in a way that is very much like the Mandalorian. Um, you know, isolating herself, doing what she's good at. Um, but they immediately become friends. Like yeah. for for their whole like lone wolf, like I'm the I'm I'm the I'm in charge here, they get along very well. Yeah. Um Definitely. and I thought that was cool. They and I like how there's no romance there. They're just like appreciated. To dudes just doing their thing. <laughs> yeah. Um Pretty much. Kara's too good for him anyways, but yeah, um the they try to find I'm getting my timeline mixed up. Well, like they get the Mandalorian goes back to her ship later and then gets asked by these two dudes who are I thought oh, they right. were on the water, but no, they're on a raft floating, not in the water, but in the air because it's a Star Wars and rafts just can't float in water. They just have to float in air. And they ask him if they if he could come back. They they pay him to get rid of these um, people that have been invading their village. It's the guys from earlier in the episode. And the Mandalorian is like, "No, this is chunk change. Are you kidding me?" <laughs> and it's like, "No, nah, 
and the dudes mentioned something about having to go back out to the middle of nowhere and like you can just like see the mandalorian's ears perk up and he's like did you say middle of nowhere (laughs) what isolated place i can hide my child in what (laughs) an isolated place you say and next thing you know he's on the thing with them they pick up kara and kara's just like so we're basically gonna run these guys out of town for a lunch money And because Mandalorian with a heart of gold is all like, mm-hmm. like yeah, pretty much. Also, it's a safe place. But how is it safe if there are people constantly raiding the village? I guess it's safe to a bounty hunter. I guess it's safe to him. But <laughs> it is um, middle of nowhere, to be fair. But so they go back to the village and they show up and they're like greeted by the entire. It's so cute. Like, yay, welcome! (laughs) It's so cute. And the children rush up to the cart, and And immediately, and it's just like (laughs) from earlier. uh, Her name is Winta, um, like winter, but the e replaced with a and no r. Um, She rushes up there. She's like the first one right there, and she's the one that's like kind of playing Baby Yoda. And these two are like. They're inseparable. I love them so much. <laughs> They're best friends. They are best friends. They are brother and sister. More than just best friend. Like, they're like, yeah, brother and sister. And they are brother and like, sister. Like, this is my new little brother. It's fine. This is mine. This is my new little brother. Mandalorian, can I have him? Can I keep him? <laughs> she loves this baby so much. But here, all the kids are just, and the baby's just like, looking around like, what? They're other children exist. <laughs> I thought I was the Small only one. Small people. <laughs> Small people. And it's it's adorable. And yeah, they're they're greeted very heartily by the villagers. Um and then so I don't know if Omera has a leadership position in the village necessarily, but she kind of like takes charge in um the hospitality she sets up their place to stay she brings him food and this is where we get the big bombshell like i do not take off my helmet in front of people let's just say maybe omara doesn't have a leadership position but as soon as she saw a hot man in a mask walk up she's like he's staying in my bar I feel, yeah, relatable. Uh, yeah. Marin um, knows what she wants, and she wants the man, the man, the Lord. But she's also, co- correct, I'm not going to discount that, but she's also just an equally compassionate person. Yes, who, very, not discounting. Um, not just, I mean, she wants it, <laughs> but also she, like, I she hard. just genuinely wants to um, she's a, she's reward. A, yeah. Um. Like, I loved her character a lot in this episode. Like, I hope we get to see her again. I really do. And like, first Native American actress as well. Yes, there were a lot of there were a lot of um, there are no white people in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. Besides, I think there's one little boy. Uh, in the, well, um, yes, but there are yeah. no, no there are no white names. speaking roles mm-hmm. in this episode. Um, interesting. I didn't. I, did, I actually didn't think of that. Even the two gentlemen who go to 
try to get him to join them. Like there was, someone was tweeting Asians in space, Asians in space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was the, uh, the actor who plays the boy. What, what are they called? Cabin and what? Oh, I don't I know their names. I know one of them's name is Cabin. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so yeah. this episode felt very real. It really did. It felt like real life. It did. Um, so they prepare for, oh wait, back to the helmet thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he tells Omero that he, if he were to take off his helmet in front of another person, he would never be able to put it back on again. Yeah, and she asks, when's the last time you took it off? He's like, yesterday. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so now we're going to learn a little bit more that he doesn't take the helmet off in front of other people. And when she leaves after they have that conversation, um, he is watching the children play because he had told her he wasn't much older than the children were, who seemed to be about like eight, eight, eight to ten years old. Um, he wasn't much older than they were the last time another person saw his face. And as he's watching them, you see his hand go up and remove the helmet and he sets it on the windowsill. And it's the first time that we've ever seen him take the helmet off. Like we didn't, I, you know, we didn't see his face, but we saw him take it off. And right. That's a, uh, interesting that they would show it in this episode because well because he finally felt safe for a minute yeah he hasn't yeah. felt safe yet and he was able to actually like stop and enjoy something right um, and it's, again it's food like- and safety and you know watching his baby have fun with friends like your boy as America calls him <laughs> the it's actually but okay backtracking to the mandalorian uh-huh. helmet thing uh-huh. why what is why is this okay we have never met a mandalorian who didn't take off their helmet right again because I... like okay i it, it didn't really hit me until i was watching rebels yesterday and i was like wait a second mm-hmm. sabine is the most mandalorian mandalorian and she <laughs> takes her helmet off all the time granted she has beautiful hair and she wants to show it off but like Name right. another Mandalorian who doesn't take off their helmet. Right. No, and they, they all did. Like, Death Watch in so, the Clone Wars arc. They took theirs off. Uh, Pre Vizsla, um, Gar Saxon, all Bo-Katan, these Bo-Katan, like... Like, they, they all did it. And again, I feel like this is another... This, could, is a, this is a concentrated sect it of... It could be a sect. Or it could be that the culture has just been... It, Again, they've been the idea that they've been forced to live underground and, and do this. Right. Taking the helmet off, the armor, they're really clinging to that because that was their core. What do you right. do? So, you're in trouble, you cling to your core beliefs. They're one of their core beliefs. Weapons are my religion. Right. My armor is me. So they're clinging to this idea. And I feel like this might be a result of, might be a result of that. Well, no. yeah. And, and my point is that whatever whatever they whatever dictates this philosophy mm-hmm. is a is a an evolution of mandalorians that right. that is new um this is not this is not 
a continuation of the culture that we knew. Right. This is a this is something different, and it this is, is like one of the first things that. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I don't even know the, the proper analogy here, but very extreme, very specified, very small. Well, it's the opposite of what you see in our world today, where cultures are displaced or an entire peoples are, whereas, you know, they take, okay, take my people, for instance, the Native Central Americans, when we were taken over a long time ago by the Spaniards who came over, it was either convert or die. And it's like, again, you see that in so many cultures and people, races, religions, it's convert or die, change, be like us or die. Right. And the Mandalorians are doing the exact opposite of that. They're hiding and becoming as much themselves as they can. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty cool. It's different. But it's all, it's, yeah. I, I don't know it's if sad. it's a good thing. It's sad though. Yeah. Because. Like, I, I mean, I understand that it's, it's how they survive, but I don't know if it's a good thing. I don't know. Can you imagine this compassionate Mandalorian living his whole life without taking off his helmet? And Cara Dune calls that into question later on when they're talking, they're sitting outside and she she asks him what happens if you take the helmet off and he that's when he tells her i can't ever put it on again i can't never let another person see my face and she's like that's it and it like it's like a moment for him he's just like he doesn't respond and she takes that moment to say so you mean to tell me you could take that junk off settle down here with your boy marry that gorgeous young widow and live out the rest of your days here happy. And he's just like, it, he doesn't respond. And it's like, you can tell it, that it's calling into question everything he knows. This whole episode is like, is this way of life that you've known all your life? Is it the best thing for you? Right. And that happens a lot with, and you see that in like in, in kids, you know, because like that's a common thing in my culture, Hispanic Americans, where kids know they're they're born here, and their family tells them that weren't that wasn't born here, you know, that this is how their culture is, this is what they do, this is a certain way. Okay, that's cool for some of us. Some of us decide to you know stay with that, but others, it's just like, do we? Is that right for us? Because again, it's tradition. Tradition can be good. But con- tradition can also be bad. Right. And this is the instance where I think the Mandalorian is starting to see that and possibly question it. And it's interesting to see this hesitation and to see this, like, internal conflict without seeing his face. Mm-hmm. Um the that's like one of the most impressive things to me about this entire series so far is that the level of emotion achieved without seeing his face um is so impressive and so impactful that's what i like people can't stand it when you use kylo as an example when he has the mask on i want to see adam driver's gorgeous face yeah i get that me too but at the same time it's like that's prime real estate right there for selling your acting you know and just getting into it and i think that's i think it's really cool i think he he does an amazing job with the mask off but what he does with it on is just spectacular 
and the fact that we can see these emotions <laughs> playing out within the Mandalorian, even though we can't read his facial expressions, which is how humans typically read, you know, right. emotion. Uh, we, we were reading it now through body language, just forcing us to pay attention to that. And it's very important. And it's, it's really cool. Um, so moving on in the interest of time mm-hmm. um, to the actual uh, battle planning. Mm-hmm. Um, Kara gets very upset that there is an ATST involved because they go and find the tracks and they're like, what the heck? This is an ATST track. What have you guys been lying about? And because right. they never mentioned that there was an ATST involved. Right. And she's visibly affected by the I, the thought that she would have to fight one. Right. Um, and she makes a comment about watching them take down scores, scores of rebels. Um, so they start this plan, and it's very much a you know montage of okay, you dig this trench, you learn how to poke people with sticks. Who knows how to fire a blaster? Oh look, Omera does. She's like the only one that raises her. As soon as they ask that, I'm just like, she's gonna raise her hand. She's gonna raise her hand. She raised her hand. <laughs> and she was the only one. And it's funny because you think of farmers. She has a history. World. Yeah, with, you think of farmers in our world. They're like they, they're normally you associate farmers with guns, or at least I do from where I'm from, Georgia. You know, and it's like <laughs> you associate farmers with guns. Like you want want the guns and everything. Like like okay cool but none of these farmers know how to shoot and i think that's interesting besides omera and not saying that i have to know why she's able to shoot because i'm totally fine with that not being explained but i feel like there might be a story there oh yeah no i it's not like her ability it's a she definitely has a a cool history like there's definitely something there well because thinking about it she would have grown up during the clone wars if she's the same age as the mandalorian and would have been very young and it makes you wonder and uh kara mentions the young widow i mean obviously we assume she's a widow because she has a child right but how did she end up here was she already like what did she join the village before after she became a widow like Mm -hmm. i really hope she's back i really do too there's so much there there's just so much there it's too good and when they start shooting um all the farmers there's like pots and pans lined up which is hilarious because i've done this before as a kid with bb guns (laughs) um out in the field shooting at a uh, pans tied up as the target and you grew up in georgia you've, you've done this before and it's yeah california over here <laughs> cannot really <laughs> i'm a country bumpkin but um anyway they they're shooting and they get to the very end and you just see on the camera it's just focused on the pan and it's just pop 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 gets hit like four or five times in a row and the camera turns i'm just like i bet that was a man i bet that was a, it was a mare. yep <laughs> and it's so funny because again you're reading reading body language again not emo- facial expressions because there are none uh mandalorian is just there and he just looks at her like for a solid five seconds just like staring like 
dumbfounded. It reminds me of The Force Awakens when Ray gets the lightsaber in the forest and Kylo's face is like, <laughs> Yeah, like you can basically see him drooling under the mask. He's just like, huh. she's <laughs> gorgeous, she's caring, and she knows how to shoot. In that moment, the Mandalorian truly became toast. <laughs> um, ooh, we can make a lot of Grinch analogies too. Anyways, is that great? Um, the so they prepare for battle. They have to prepare, and the night comes, and the battle commences, and it does not go according to plan. It does not, but it doesn't go not according to plan in a way that is detrimental to the story. It just makes it more interesting. Yeah. They can't get the ATSD to, to walk into the trap, so they have to like improvise a bit and blow stuff up. Mm-hmm. And Kara does it, and she's amazing. Um, I thought she was going to die there for a hot second. I really did. I was scared. Oh, I did it. Oh, I, I was scared. Because I was just like, are you seriously going to kill her off? Because... That's a thing. Fair. Um, <laughs> the glad that didn't happen. When does he make the comment about the shock trooper? Uh, when they're talking to the village before they ask who can shoot. Um, oh, an ex an ex shock trooper. Yeah, there must have been re- rebellion shock troopers too, right? I, I just I I've always associated shock troopers shock troopers with vampire. Yeah. So he makes a comment about her being a shock trooper, which we thought she was a rebel soldier. So I don't think he would be working with her if she, if she was ex-imperial. Hang on. I just pulled it up on Wikipedia. Um, let's see. Huh. Alliance to restore the Republic. Shark troopers are. Why no. do I think that they're aligned with the Empire? I don't know. Are they not? There were definitely. I think there were clone shock troopers. No. Uh, oh, I think there were clone shock troopers. Actually, you know what? In the Wikipedia thing, Cara Dune is the only one affiliated with shock trooper and new canon. Because I'm on the Legends thing is much more. Um, but yeah, by name, but I think yeah. that's because there was a clone infantry of shock troopers. Yeah. Yeah, clone shock troopers were elite soldiers of the Grand Army of the Republic during the Clone Wars. Yep, because they were they were red. Thorn. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they were red, and those okay. are the ones that we see. I think in gotcha. Okay, so problem solved. Anyway, um, anyways, the battle happens. They eventually destroy the ATST and the enemies. And you see for a brief few moments uh omera's sniping ability in action um, oh, she's they. good for the, the everything that we saw of her she had didn't miss a shot so it was i again i really want to know <laughs> i really want to know um very very much obsessed with her me too me too and the battle is a success they're able to chase the rest of the troopers off. And then fast forward. And there's a conversation where it's implied that they've been there. 
Kara and the Mandalorian and the baby have been there for three weeks. I don't know if you caught that. I thought it was two weeks, but yeah. It was three weeks, yeah. And I want to know what happened during that. Why is Kara there? (laughs) Like, like for all of her toughness, like, she was like, okay, I'll be friends with these people. (laughs) Well, because this is when she asks him about the, what what, what are they going to do? Um, and this is when she asked him about the helmet and everything like that. Right, like, um, this woman, she's beautiful, she loves you, do it. Right, right, right. And she's just there, and, he, and when he walks off, she she's drinking something. She just takes it and she's like, got a little smile, and just sips <laughs> some spotchka. She's like, mm, okay. <laughs> and, yeah, that's when it's implied that they've been there for about three weeks, and Mandalorian uh, says that he plans on leaving the baby there with them. And seems like it's actually going to happen. And I actually thought it was for a hot second there. And he I, goes and has a conversation um, with Amara. And we see a moment where we had uh, that we had seen in the trailer for this. Um, it... <sighs> She, he tells her that he's leaving and that he's leaving the baby there. And she's like, I'll take care of him as if he were my own. And then she asks, what about you? And then he's like, there's a beat. And he's like, me? (laughs) (laughs) Me? (laughs) What what about me? Why? Why? What do you want? (laughs) And it's like very okay and she's like what about you you fit right in we'd be happy to have you here and he's just like I don't know about that I don't think I could do that and then she's like you could live here for the rest of your life give a good life to your boy and live live here for you know just be happy here She's like, wouldn't that be nice? And then he's like, it would. <laughs> I lost it. And for a second there, I was like, what it is, is now there's no way he is. And she decides, she's like, all right, I'm gonna go for it. And puts her hands on his mask as if implying she would want to remove the mask from his face, um, but she doesn't make any move to do so. She just kind of has her hands there as if you would kind of like have your hands on a person. And it's like this quiet, very loaded, charged, beautiful moment. And like, it's like this, the camera angles that they used here, I absolutely was obsessed over because it's like very fairy tale very pretty and like Mm -hmm. and as I was watching this I'm just like it's like he's a freaking knight and he's like he's there yeah we haven't even made the knight in shining armor analogy yet but yeah he he literally is (laughs) in this one because like okay you can talk about lone cowboy all you want but he is now transforming into a knight in shining armor and I enjoy this very much and he puts his hands on her wrists and lowers them down he's like but I can't I can't and 
in that moment, I got the scare of my life because I thought baby was toast. <sighs> I was so mad. I was like, are they going to take it? Are they going to, are they going to kill him? I was really concerned because that one, there was that moment where he's in the scopes and then you hear the gunshot like right after. And I was like, well, the end. And you see everybody scatter and I'm just like, what? But then it ended up being the bounty hunter and Kara saving the day. Of course. Thank you. And of course, like, oh my God, I love her. Oh, I love her. But, and all at once, the illusion is shattered. All at once, the security and safety is a a thing of the past and mm-hmm. Ryan picks up his kid and says just kidding we have to leave yep. because at the end of the day he's only there to protect the child right and, and if they know where he is then that means they need to keep moving yeah and th- they're tracking him with the tracking problem and I've had a conversation with a few people about this but where's the tracker yeah how is that working I could get into the logistics of that I have no idea but it's like is it implanted in him? Is it is he being tracked by his biometric signature? Probably is because he... Star Wars. Nicorians? <laughs> I don't know. But um yeah, how is that being done and how can they stop that is going to be probably the plot um or a significant part of it. Right. Coming out. Because this is definitely a problem. Because right. they're not gonna be safe anywhere as long as the bounty hunters are able to track this child right because wherever the child goes the mandalorian goes and it'll be interesting to see how, how they deal with that and the episode wraps up with them all saying their goodbyes uh winta mm-hmm. is very sad having to leave her yeah. baby brother who enjoys eating frogs in front of the kids to make them laugh <laughs> and oh, freaking weirdo He's dog, you do <laughs> But it's so funny because when he's eating the frog and the kids are all like, ah, you can see his expression change and he's like, you don't like it? Okay. And he spits out the frog and the frog just hops away and it's just like, oh. <laughs> so cute. And they end up leaving. Um, they leave the camp. We don't actually see them leave the planet. Um, but presumably we will or they'll be somewhere else by the next episode or maybe they run into trouble and they're not able to get off planet at all we shall see you don't know that happened already so i don't think they'll do that again but we'll see so yeah so yeah that's a lot that is a lot that is a lot and can't believe i fell in love with two characters in one episode This is, why this is why I'm not in a committed relationship. <laughs> <laughs> as long as Kylo Ren and the Mandalorian exists. Mm. <laughs> That's questionable. But um, yeah, now I have Kara Dune to contend with. So uh, presumably Kara is going to be back in a future episode. Um, I really hope Omera comes back somehow some way and that winter is reunited with her baby brother <laughs> which she lives so much so cute, so cute. And <laughs> we we have more coming like this isn't even it this is yeah i think isn't there one more episode after rise of skywalker and that's it because there's only four more left so yeah 
maybe are they doing an episode they're gonna do one that week but it's gonna be released on wednesday i believe on the so week of Friday. yeah it's not gonna be on friday so we have 6th 13th 18th and 27th yeah four more yep so we're halfway through oh my god we're halfway through. Like, we're it, this literally just started. I, I don't want to say goodbye, but at the same time, we know that there's season two in the work, so okay. I'm okay with it. I'll have to But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, this is, I'm so pleasantly surprised by the series, and, I mean, I had low expectations because I'm, you know, you know me, I need dramatic mm-hmm. space romance and uh, cute characters. Oh, yeah. But and here we are. Here I'm we are. wrong again. We got the cute characters and it got a little spicy, so <laughs> you know. If you're not gonna marry Omera, I will, okay? Mandalorian, right. get your life together. Get 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 out of here. Like commit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But yeah. Also you're not. Follow um, Kara's advice. Really? Please. Anyway. That's all that's all I want. Anyways, um, but yeah, anything else you'd like to add about? I feel like um, we kind of bounced around a bit, but it was, yeah. Yeah, just mostly talking about the key points. The episode. I'm curious about the mask. I'm curious about Omera. I'm curious about Kara. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if we're gonna see more loath cats, please. <laughs> a nice one. The loath cat. Okay, but the loath cat thing. There's a loath cat just chilling on this random planet. That's obviously not Lothal. So mm-hmm. they're like domesticated and spread across the galaxy just like they are on Batu. Yeah. Really cute. Oh my god. Really? It's like Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is almost relevant. What? What? <laughs> and as a, an important fact, because like a lot of people talk about how those cats are only found on Lothal, and if it's not on Lothal, then it's a Tuka. That actually That's not true. Yeah. Uh Tuka's Tuka- just Tuka's like calling something kitty. Well, actually right? they are it's they are different but the only difference between tuka and loath cats is loath cats are natural colors mm-hmm. like brown black gray so they're like the they're but like the, the tuka the cats, the wild yeah. ones tuka but cats tuka are, are domesticated yeah and also very they can be different colors like because in um i forgot what it was i think it was forces of destiny we see a purple one they can be so like it's like it's like house cat versus bobcat pretty much yeah and you can domesticate those cats obviously because people have um but it's pretty cute pretty cool that's the difference between them uh that was my creature moment for this episode also <laughs> they put it in a movie i mean they live action to loath cat very very fun very cute yes another victory for the rebel stands yep very okay. exciting. i'm living my best life same and i think unless you have anything more to say um so we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up sound good yeah all right so we will see you guys next time Uh, another episode of mandalorian comes out this friday looking forward to that and unless it's a huge like earth shattering episode we probably won't do another recap until the second episode comes out next because just in the interest of i mean Nettie's finishing up her semester, and I'm also a theme park cast member during holiday. So, yep. what is free time? What is free time? <laughs> um, 
but yeah. So we'll try to do that, and then again, we are going to attempt to, once I finally get out of school, put in a few more possibly uh, episodes for speculation on Rise of Skywalker. Um, Megan, probably, since she's staying away from online and spoilers and such like that. I actually have not started my Twitter hiatus, and I'm just being like, I'm just being tentative. Mm Mm-hmm. I've really been a knock on wood. I've been very good at avoiding avoiding spoilers so far. So well, that's good. I have. Not, I'm not afraid to speculate. I just. <laughs> I will gladly speculate. I just don't want to. The no spoiler talk. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll make it work. We will make it work. All right. So we're gonna go ahead and say goodbye and join us next time. Looking forward to it and have an awesome, awesome week and holiday season. May the force be with you all. Have a good one. Bye.